You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Today we're joined by culture strategist Erin Willett. Erin founded her company, The Tappan Team, in 2015. The Tappan Team is a collective of strategists who work with leaders in growth phases to help them nurture communities that are creative, inclusive, and magnetic. Erin and her team intend to change the way companies do business by leading with self-love, emotional intelligence, and collaboration. Erin invites leaders to ponder how their own individuality influences and impacts the cultures they build around them, and is here today to help us with just that. Erin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. Just, that just lifted my spirit so much to hear my bio, to be reminded of, of um, who I am and what I do in this really odd time where my identity is so shaken. Oh, I love that you said that because I think so many of us can relate in this moment where we're just like, what do we do again? What, <laughs> besides panicking, um, what is it that, what is the value I actually bring? But right. Wow. It's, a, it's a very polarizing time. I think, the, the, you know, everything becomes very black and white as far as um, how you're spending your time and how you want to spend your time. I think mm. that, you know, there, I have a lot less patience for things that don't you know, fulfill me or fully excite me, um, or really spark joy. Um, well, what a 2019 term spark joy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's nice to be reminded of the stuff that I do that I like to do. This is such a perfect intro and way to kick off this episode because for those who are listening in, who don't know Aaron, this is so true to brand where it's just like, cut the crap. We're getting straight to value, straight to the meat. This is how we're feeling. And this is exactly (laughs) what she does. She gets straight to the core of the matter, is super real, super raw, and invites other people to do the same, to really build cultures based on that sense of trust. So I love that we just dove right in. (laughs) I think that that, uh, I actually tend to overshare almost as a, almost as a gauge to, to see who's in front of me, you know, mm. I'll, I'll give as much as I can of myself in that moment because it feels good for me to be honest and open, but also because it allows people to opt in or opt out right away. And this is not, it wasn't the easiest practice when I first started consulting, when I first started, you know, doing identity work or creative work with companies back in 2012, I wasn't as open about who I am and how I'm feeling. And what I'm going through, but the more I did it, the more I felt that sense of pull from the right people. And the more I was able to build relationships with people who I could actually be myself with. So now I'm at a point where (laughs) I don't hold back at all. I say exactly how I feel. I invite people to do the same. And um, that is especially true when things are a complete shit show. As they are. As they are. (laughs) as they are, and uh, as I am not ashamed to be, you know, when things are messy, I think that the, that's the perfect moment to kind of build the, the really solid relationships that, that are going to sustain. Mm. And you bring up a really good point is that, the, you know, things are, are messy right now. And I've seen a huge shift in the way people show up, people who otherwise would not feel comfortable 
being vulnerable, would not feel confident in leading with emotion, mm-hmm. who have broken down in meetings, who mm-hmm. are challenged in unprecedented ways. And it has almost given them permission yes. to express themselves fully. And I would really, really love your opinion. You know, if as someone who's been doing this long before a global pandemic, if we show up fully and we overexpress and we see that it's not being met with open arms or reciprocated, how do you retract? What do you do then? Uh, well, I mean, there's so many different things for me to talk about in that, in that statement. And let me get to the, what happens if it's not, if it's not, responded to positively let me get to Mm -hmm. that after i think just the first piece that that this crisis is giving people permission to kind of break down i think that what what happens for someone who has had to maintain a facade for quite some time and who has a perception of leadership and power that looks very kind of opaque and strong and rock-like for someone to have their their floodgates open up and to completely release that can be a terrifying moment, but I think it, it can be such a cathartic and important one. And I'm just, I love seeing those things happen, although they're very uncomfortable. They can be very uncomfortable for people because once you open up that vulnerability door and that, uh, that emotional floodgate, it's really, really hard to close it off. And you don't want to because more often than not, the response from people is that they will meet you where you are mm. and they'll bring forward more of what it is that they're feeling. And we're all feeling something. You know, it, things are very messy right now, of course, but things are always messy. And there's this, there's this perception that there's a perception around business that mess does not happen or that mess is controlled when in reality, like we're just sweeping mess underneath the rug right. or we're shoving it into a metaphorical closet and like jamming everything in there, closing the door when visitors come by. But mess is always happening. And it's, it's constant. So right now the dial is turned up, the floodgates are opening for sure. And people are getting a permit or getting permission to, to release because there's a collective understanding that we're all going through something. Right. Um, I think that this is a gift, but yeah. you know, back to the, to the idea of what happens if you open up and it's not received. My experience is that it's always been received. Mm. And then if you're, if you're not being received in a moment of honesty and and humanity, then you're not around the right people, you know, or you're involved in a, a, a culture dynamic at your workplace that is desperate for the shift that you're about to bring to it. Right. Yeah, I think we would be surprised, I certainly have been, by the response of our networks, of our peers, of people who we look up to, um, those who look up to us when we show up in a really vulnerable state, um, we build this story. I know a lot of us do anyway, that we build up, oh my God, how are they going to respond? And they can't possibly see me like this. And mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be holding down the fort. And it's something I see with a lot of my clients is they feel the responsibility mm-hmm. of being that pillar of strength and don't feel like they're allowed to show that they're afraid too. Mm-hmm. And what I love about you and the work that you do is this isn't something that's necessarily new for you. This concept of vulnerability and tapping into oneself and leveraging that to nurture 
better leaders is something that you've focused on for a number of years already. You're so good with words. And you're like, you're just making me feel so good about myself. You make, you make me feel so seen, Sam. So thank you. Um, You know, I think that there's a, um, there are a few perceptions that we need to tackle in what you just, you just talked about. First of all, the notion that vulnerability, the perception that vulnerability happens in these big ways, like with tears or big outbursts, when in reality, the vulnerability that will support you in building relationships sometimes happens in really small ways, like saying, how are you? Mm. You know, I'm not doing so great today. I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep so well, or, you know, I got into this ridiculous fight with my partner. It's kind of on my mind. It's keeping me distracted. I know I'll get through it, but I just want to mention that small, very human moments at the beginning of conversations can completely shift the dynamic in the way that we relate with people and the way that we allow others to relate with us. And they, the vulnerability is such a strength because it's really not about you. In my case, I feel like my acts of vulnerability, just letting people know how I feel, it is about me because it makes me feel better. It makes me feel more seen. It allows me to create more space for myself. But really, you don't just do it for yourself. You do it to invite other people in. Mm. And I think that we're seeing a big shift in the way that people perceive strength, which is the second perception that I want to challenge here. You said you know, your, your clients feel that sense of responsibility to be strong but we're seeing this shift in what strength looks like. And we're in this era of connection where we're all desperate to connect with the people that we work with and the companies that we, we buy from and the people that we live with. And, you know, our, our personal relationships, our connections and our personal, personal relationships are sometimes even come secondary to the connections that we want to form in our professional lives. And what we're seeing with that shift towards this like connection era is that people see strength as a willingness to open and connect and be honest and transparent and to be collaborative Mm. and to be engaged in active listening and to be engaged in the community that you're building around you. And, um, that like that leadership that perception on leadership of what what leadership looks like can really be seen in the way that people are hiring in the way that employees are choosing to work with companies in the way that people are spending their money because we're making choices professional choices and we're making financial choices based on values and based on a want to connect Mm. does that resonate for you absolutely I know that I've made those choices myself. I will choose to invest my time, my money, and my energy in companies and people and brands and initiatives that really speak to who I am as a person. It matters for me. It matters for the people in my network. And it certainly is important when I decide to align myself, whether that, you know, with a partnership, with a new client, with a, a job, it is something that is not only important, but has long lasting, a long lasting impact because I know that the choice that I make today is setting my future self up for success. That's the intention anyway. And, mm-hmm. you know, operating with intention is something I'm starting to see a lot more people um, at least try to do and to I be a bit more word. cognizant of. Operating with intention. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. You know, there's a business case 
to being more emotionally engaged as a leader and being more emotionally engaged as a company. And that exists in the fact that your market and your employees have an intense amount of decision-making fatigue right now. There Mm. is tons of choice. We have access to so much information and we have so much choice in the way that we can spend our time and our money. And we have, you know, unlimited access to varieties of products and, and types of information that we can consume. And essentially the way that we deal with that decision-making fatigue and the way that we make choices is by going with our emotional connection and with our gut, because there's no way for a company to differentiate based on uh, product features or based on, you know, marketing copy. Like essentially everybody sounds and looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And the way that people are going to be making choices about the companies that they engage with is based on that personal connection is based on the values alignment. So companies are at a point right now where they need to shift into more vulnerable leadership because they need to bring the emotions and the values and the humanity out of their teams. And the way that they do that is that they create safety for people to get human. You know, they create safety so that collaboration and trust and communication and real idea generation can happen. And that's when companies are going to be, that's when companies are going to develop the solutions and the offers and the services and the products that not only solve a problem and speak to a real need, but also deeply connect with the person on the other side of the, of the buy. Mm, So powerful. And I, Really appreciate your constant ability. It almost seems just completely seamless to pull this into a business context because you talk a lot about emotion, about emotional intelligence, about self-love, topics that otherwise, I would say, historically have not really been at the table in the boardroom. They've not really been part of the conversation and you make it seem so no-brainer. And I mean, it, it kind of is to you. And I think that's, that's really your zone of genius is helping other companies and, and leaders see this as well. And Wait, you- I mean, it's, it's been, an, sorry, for, pardon me for interrupting. No. This, this topic specifically, like the language around this, the self-love, the identity, the connection, the emotions, the um, collaboration, community, collectivity, culture, all of these words that are really important to me. Um, you're right. They they feel like a no-brainer to me. They felt like a no-brainer for a really long time, but I've had to hone my message and my approach. And I have been, you know, I spent probably four solid years speaking to people who just did not get it. Once I switched my focus when it came to my market, I was really ready to talk to people who understood the importance of culture, who understood the importance of emotional leadership. I really took that moment to just completely own who I was and what I had to offer and to really start speaking from a place of conviction about the things that I know. You talk about cultures of, you know, ones that are creative, ones that are inclusive, but you also talk about the concept of a magnetic culture, which I haven't really heard much before you and watching your videos and the knowledge that you bring to your audience. So can you explain what a magnetic culture is? Mm-hmm. A magnetic culture is a sticky culture that attracts and retains. And it's, 
it's not a culture that you can, um, you know, a culture can never be kind of tied down. I think it's, it's, it's kind of ironic to say like, we have a creative culture, we have a collaborative culture, we have a transparent culture, because really culture is so abstract and constantly shifting and evolving. And it, it moves from day to day based on the group's dynamic and emotions and the things that everyone's going through. Um, and what I'm, what I'm more interested in with my work is not so much saying we're going, we're going to, you know, build a, a, a creative culture. What I'm more interested in is saying, how can we create a dynamic here and a culture that everybody wants to contribute to and feel safe to contribute to so that as it shifts and as it evolves from create creative to less creative and transparent to more opaque. And as it kind of morphs as cultures do that people are willing to stick through it and participate on a personal level and recognize the influence and impact that they have as individuals on the culture shift. So for me, a, a magnetic culture is really one where individuals recognize their own influence and impact and their own magnetism as individuals. Oof. There's going to be a huge shift in cultures given the pandemic and the state that we're in. For better, for worse, people are reevaluating how things are operating. People are getting really crystal clear on their values. They have the time to do so now and they're starting to recognize whether or not they are truly aligned with the companies that they're with and continuing to support. So for the companies who are undergoing radical change right now, what kind of advice could you offer to sustain a culture of magnetism, of one that people actually want to contribute to during, specifically during difficult times? Mm -hmm. We need to focus completely on not the output of the company, not the product or the service, but the individuals within. Because as companies are going to need to be exceptionally agile and what companies offer can, can shift literally from day to day in this sort of moment. And the only thing that's going to sustain the company is the, the people who are there, the hearts and the minds, the brains and the collaborative power. Mm. So that means that we need to focus completely on the individual's within the team, the individuals within the room. I think the way that you create a culture of magnetism is, is by, by focusing entirely on individuality, by giving room to individuality. And the way that you do that is by starting with the leaders and the decision makers. If leaders are able to become more self-aware, to become more self-accepting, and then to become more self-loving, what they're able to do is to recognize that they do not have all the answers. They're great at some things. They're not so great at others. And they can show up with a little bit more of their self-awareness and their person and their identity and their individuality to the conversations that they're having with their teams. Mm -hmm. And that means they're bringing their beliefs and their values and their opinions and they're bringing their faults and they're bringing their humility And when they do that as leaders, they create an environment where others feel safe to do the same, you know, and this is exactly where vulnerability becomes a strength. Because if you come into a conversation and you say, this is me and this is how I feel right now, you're automatically demonstrating a behavior cue that the person in front of you will pick up on. And they'll say, Mm -hmm. oh, it's safe for me to do the same. This is me and this is how I feel. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of safety and trust 
that's created between these two individuals. And this is the bedrock, that safety and that trust is the bedrock of the conversations that need to happen in order to be collaborative and creative and innovative in times of change. There is no such thing as a strategic plan right now, essentially. We need to bring our ideas together and we need to do so in a really agile way in a moment where people feel really, really tense. The right. most important thing for us to create is that sense of safety around people's individuality because then they can bring forward you know, their points of confusion or contention, frustration. And it's from those, like, those areas where things are a little bit messy and less perfect that that's where innovation is. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. This is where amazing ideas can blossom, you know, but so for me, you know, a culture of magnetism, magnetism starts entirely with leaders holding a mirror up to their face and saying, this is who I am. And I don't have all the answers. I'm going to commit to my own reflective practice to become more self-aware. And I'm going to become more intentional about who I'm bringing in myself, you know, what parts of myself I'm bringing to my work the investment in individuality and in space for individuals is just, it's paramount right now. It sounds in theory, like an excellent practice. It sounds that it would be extremely valuable. And I can imagine there are some leaders and business owners listening who are saying we are simply being reactive right now. We either don't have the time. This is not the time to look inward. You mentioned the idea of a business case. And I would love to hear how you've been able to work with and develop conscious leaders and conscious cultures in a way that has had a direct impact on the bottom line. Can you explain how we can leverage this creativity and this innovation to, to actually, you know, translate into business results? Because of course, we want to put the employees first. We want to nurture their creativity, but in a time where it's a sink or swim for a lot yeah. of companies, how does that translate? What you leverage is not creativity and innovation. What you leverage is self-awareness, which leads to creativity and innovation. Mm. So in these moments of, of, of intense pressure, when everyone is being reactive, what you're doing in your reactivity is that you're making creative choices. Mm. And, the way that you get to a place of creativity that's strategic where you're making choices from a point of conviction and decisiveness is that you need to bring more self-awareness into your decision-making model. And that doesn't need to be a very, a very long, arduous process. I'm talking about taking a little bit more time before you make a decision to check in with self, to reflect on what you know about self, to reflect on what you know about company, about your strengths as a company, about your brand, about the strong relationship dynamics that you've fostered, about your, your stakeholder group, looking at the different pieces of insights and information that you have that support your sense of decisiveness and conviction before you make strategic choices in, in your reactive headspace. Mm, so good. So an example of that is like, you know, fostering self-awareness to lead to creativity and innovation. I was working with a company um, who you know, was going through a big moment of change and they were seeing their numbers dropping and the leadership team realized like, okay, numbers are dropping right now and we're seeing a really big shift and what we were doing before is not working. They kept this to themselves 
for about probably eight weeks or so. The tension was rising with that team. The team wanted to support the co-founders. The team felt that there was something going on. You could hear it and you could feel it in their behavior. They were keeping their own stress. This is the, the team. They were keeping their own stress themselves because they didn't want to become a hindrance to the co-founders who they could feel stress kind of radiating off of. So they were keeping their own tension to themselves. They were having meetings behind closed doors. There was a lot more whispering. There was a lot more quantitative pressure put on people. You know, we need to make these numbers, which is never a way to incite creativity or, or productivity or engagement. There was a lot of pressure. You could feel it in the air. And then one day, you know, after some time of working with these co-founders, encouraging them to be more transparent about what they were going through and be more transparent about what they could contribute to the solution and what they wanted others to contribute to the solution. The CEO walked into a meeting, company-wide meeting that he called, and he walked in tense, you know, eyes down, ready to give this presentation. Nobody knew what this was going to be. Like he could cut the tension with a knife. And he goes up to the front of this room and, you know, connects his laptop to the TV. And the first slide says, the situation. And he said, this is really challenging for me because I've wanted to keep this to myself. But I'm realizing that that's not the way for us to work as a team. It's not a way for us to be collaborative. I can feel that a lot of you are tense, you're stressed, and I understand why. And I want to be more transparent about what we're going through. And he ran through the numbers extremely transparently. And at the end was, you know, he said, this is hard for me, but I really need us to all tackle this together. And, you know, right away, multiple hands up. Listen, we want to thank you for being so, we want to thank you for being so honest. We want to thank you for letting us know what it is that you need. We're in this together. Mm. That, that was a response from the team. We're in this together. You know, people want to help. People want to contribute. People want to be valuable team members. People want to have all the information that's available to them so that they can make educated, informed decisions. And feel I mean, connected to something bigger than them. Yeah. But the, so the thing is that like the, the business case there around conscious leadership is that it took a lot of work for the, the CEO there to feel, you know, to, to get to a place where he recognized that his vulnerability was a strength. Mm. It took a lot of work for him to get to a place of trust with his team. And he needed to test it in that moment. And it really, really changed the dynamic for the team. There was a lot more camaraderie and there was a lot more understanding from everyone around the strategic choices that were made next because it, you know, it happened to affect the structure of the company and it happened to affect some of the roles and people needed to shift and be agile, but they were willing to do so because they had been invited into the process. Right. Because they'd been made to feel like they were important members of this dynamic. And I think that that's, you know, that's an important piece to consider when we're talking about conscious leadership or vulnerable leadership, emotional leadership, because you're inviting people in, it doesn't mean that you're inviting them in to participate in every single choice, right? But you're letting them know what choices are being made and why those choices are being made. And you're being more honest about what you're facing and how you're feeling about it. And you're being more transparent about your boundaries and your needs and your wants. And you're allowing them the same to be more transparent about their boundaries and needs and wants 
and you're inviting them at very specific strategic moments and they know what those moments are so that they, you know, they, when they're invited to contribute, they step up. We've been talking a lot about business cultures and the impact, the results that it can have on business, but corporate cultures, although a hot topic right now are not the only cultures that are affected, particularly by COVID that are being forced to level up during this time. Um, seeing people experiencing radical changes in their friendships and their family cultures and with oneself as we all evolve as well. And so what can we take from the business lessons and pull through into the cultures of our personal lives? And that's like, you know, I talk about this stuff all the time and it has been exceptionally difficult for me on a personal level to be so vulnerable and exposed with you know with my best friend and with my partner right now and to say you know I don't feel great and I don't feel confident and I'm anxious and I'm really nervous about where things are going to go I don't like bringing that part of me to my personal dynamic you know and my personal relationships I want to appear like I got it together so that Mm -hmm. they feel supported so that they feel like there's room for them to break down. But I have been continuously just like floored by the acceptance and compassion that I have been shown from these people that I love. And, and you know, that's in a, in that's in my personal life, but I've also seen it in my professional life as well. There's been so much compassion and so much understanding and so much acceptance you know, what a taste of my own medicine (laughs) (laughs) to like, to to feel shaky and unsure. And then to go to someone who, you know, like, I don't really want you to see all of my faults. I don't really want you to see me sad and shaky right now. Fully, Uh, right? The full 360 view. Yeah. And to have them sit in front of me and say, I accept you and we're in this together. Um, it's just like, it's, it, it completely shifts the, the conversation and the dynamic between us to have a little bit of acceptance and compassion. So, you know, what can we bring from the, the business culture or what, or how can like, what can we learn from the personal dynamics and personal relationships and how can those impact business and how can the, the business relationships impact the way that we kind of, interact on a personal level i think being more compassionate and accepting with self is something that we can take from this moment being more compassionate and accepting with the person in front of us and recognizing that when we give them room they feel safer to collaborate with us Mm. Um, recognizing that we're all in this together regardless of what role we've held or what title we've held that each person wants to contribute and wants to be a valuable member of that unit and that everybody has a different perspective that's that's important and valuable and their voice is valuable we have the absolutely the opportunity and the gift to look at ourselves and to look at our work and to look at our teams and to look at what we create and how we serve the people around us and to look at our intention and our impact we have the gift of being able to reflect on all that Absolutely. And become become more self-aware. I mean, this is I want I want to say that this is not it's not the easiest, it's definitely not the easiest work to do. Becoming self-aware takes 
serious guts. You know, it takes a lot of courage, um, but it's such a rewarding gift. This has been really, really helpful. I appreciate you taking the time. And I want to know for those who are interested in working with you or simply want to connect, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn. I'm really happy to get into any conversations. DM me. Let's chat. Let's talk emotions. Let's talk soulful businesses and conscious leadership. And let's talk, you know, the shit show of this moment. (laughs) Leaning into crisis and let's, you know, let's just connect. I think that that's the, that's how we'll plant some seeds for some really rich stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much for this, Sam. This is, I can't express enough how, uh, how valuable this moment was for me to just take some time out of this chaos to connect with you and to talk about these things that matter to me and to just, I just really do feel very seen and really heard by you. So thank you for this. You're really, really great at this. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. And it's been a sincere pleasure. Thank you for sharing your expertise and just a snippet of your story with us. Thanks. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.